Faith FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Good morning. Here we are, Faith FM Live. So good to be with you this morning. This is Blair Lemke here and Mon. We are not... Lyle and Lawson. We are not. Not even a little bit, not at all. No, we're the stunt, <laughs> stunt doubles today. Yeah, you like that, stunt doubles. We, we don't look like them. <laughs> I'm not sure how many stunts I could pull off. <laughs> <laughs> we don't sound like them either. No. But we're filling in. Yeah, Lyle's, we are. Lyle's back tomorrow, Lawson's back next week. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're the fill-ins and we're glad to be with you this morning. What are you grateful for this morning, Mom? Oh, so many things. Let's just start with a good night's sleep. How about that? I really set your day off straight. What about you? What are you grateful for? Oh, I've been away from my family and I came home last night and spent oh, time with them. Nice. It was beautiful. Oh, where you been? Oh, I was actually away on a uh, mission trip out back. Oh, um, how exciting. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We did some community service and um, had an evangelism campaign. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, that's really great. I um, I was away as well, but I was just having fun in Sydney. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It wasn't on a mission trip. Was that like a storm code that you were on? It was, yes. Yeah, yeah we, we had great. a pinnacle. We had kids clubs out there, a lot of um, fun interactions. So it was, yeah, it was a great. But, you know, there's nothing better than coming back. And I've got an 18-month-old daughter. Oh, congratulations. Uh, so seeing her smiling face, oh, it's so good coming back after a trip away. So, yeah, that's been keeping me busy. But yeah. I'm sure your wife would have loved to have you back to help get you to help out with the 18 month old. Absolutely, she has been. She absolutely has been. So yeah, she's always thankful when we um the job takes us away and when we come back. Yeah, amen. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, and we want to give a special shout-out to some of our regions that are listening in. Welcome to the Rock Hamp, uh, Rockingham uh, at 88.0 FM, and our Gyra listeners in New South Wales at 88.0 uh, FM, and also a welcome and a shout-out to Mole Creek in Tasmania, 88.0 FM. Was that Rockingham WA? That certainly was. Oh, no way, my old stomping ground. So we've really covered three states across Australia listening in. And, Praise uh, the Lord. So glad to have you all with us, and it's time for a quiz. It sure is. Get your thinking caps on. Uh, we're going to be starting off another quiz today. We have a wonderful prize that we've been tempting you with all week, no doubt, and it is a God Cares two-volume set. So it's a two-book set. Oh, um, no way. I've got the whole set. Oh, is it good? It's amazing. I haven't read this one yet. So it's by C. Mervyn Maxwell, uh, and this is uh, Daniel and Revelation. So one of them is the message of Daniel, and the other one is the rest of, uh, message of Revelation, and it says it's for you and your family. So apparently it's a best-selling classic. I haven't even heard of it It's before. an absolute classic. Yeah. I've got the old blue versions. I'm not sure whether these are the same color, but, oh, man, that's a good – you want to get your hands on this one. If These ones are red. In, they're red. Yeah, it must have updated the design or something. Okay. So it must well, be, like, really smick. The content is still the same, I'm yeah, sure. So I'm you, sure. Want, you want to get your hands on these ones. So, yeah, so in these two volumes, we'll read the fascinating story of how God revealed to both Daniel and John the Revelation, the Revelator, the rise of great world empires centuries in advance. And so you'll read about, you know, how the, the end of the world's going to go, the truth um, that has withstand constant contact by uh, constant attack by earthly powers, and the longest time prophecy in the Bible is also in there as well. So it's going to be a really exciting read. Um, so that is going to be our prize. God cares, two volume set. But you have to get some quiz questions right first. At least one. I'm going to be doing five this morning, and every time you get one right, you can enter into the draw. So if you get all five right, you get five entries in. 
Uh, the number to call is 0491 You can text or call that and uh, you'll get producer Shell on the line. But here's our first quiz of the day. Paul was confident that God's good work through the Philippians would be carried on to completion until what day? Mm. Mm. Interesting question. Do you reckon you're the answer? Oh, look, I don't want to give it away. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> I reckon this is a pretty hard one, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Shell's like, no, it's not. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Paul was confident that God's good work through the Philippians would be carried on to completion until what day? Mm, I have this same confidence as Paul. Yeah, well, hopefully, it is my hope. Hopefully, we can get some uh, good, uh, some people calling in and getting uh, their name in the draw for that fantastic uh, prize that's on offer. Now we, we do have um, some good news. Oh, such good morning. news! I'm I'm really excited about this one this morning. This is coming out of Indonesia. Have you ever like you know when sometimes you see on TV or sometimes you drive past like a like some sort of a body of water, like a little river or yeah. a lake or something, and there's like a bunch of trash oh, along. Yes, of course. Do you ever think it's, you're... A, it's rubbish in Australia? Oh yeah. yes, my bad. Yeah. But trash. Yeah, I, I've got American roots, so yeah. <laughs> I, I think we all know what trash I, I, is. I caught what you were throwing. Yeah. Hopefully it wasn't trash off. Sorry. Um, but have you ever thought to yourself, that doesn't really look like it would take that long to clean up? Like, I'm sure if I had a spare Sunday, I put some wellies on, some gumboots, and some gloves on, I could, you know, clean that all up myself. Do you ever think that thought? Look, I'll be honest, I haven't. Oh, really? Um, but that's a wonderful thought to think. Oh, but no, but I, often, I often see, like, piles of garbage in bodies of water, and I always think to myself, if just some dedicated humans would apply themselves, I really just don't think that would take that long to, to clean up. Why are we just leaving it sitting there going disgusting, right? Absolutely. I always have that thought whenever I see it. But turns out Indonesians thought so too. And this is so cool. So I didn't realize this, but you know how like plastic is like polluting our oceans mm. and uh, it's causing trouble for, it turns out, fishermen. So there's like a twofold thing happening here. You have the plastic in the ocean, then you have the overfishing of the oceans, right? Two issues. And so the Indonesians have decided um, to help out their fishermen because the small business fishermen can't deal with the plastic and how that's affecting their business. So it's only the large fisheries that can sort of, um, you know, hold up underneath the, the cost lost, uh, from the plastic, which is bad because you don't want the big fisheries to be out there, like, you know, eating up the little guys. Exactly. And, yeah. Cause they're, cause they're actually saying like the best way to continue to fish sustainably is to do small businesses. And here, yeah. we, here we are, like, they're not going to be able to do it. And so the only ones that are going to be left are the big ones that are destroying the oceans. And so the Indonesian government, has decided they are going to pay small-time fishermen to be part-time ocean cleanup crews. So wow. it's like literally they're going out wow. and instead of bringing back fish, which should be left behind anyway, they bring it back plastic. This is so cool. So the archipelago is seeking to uh, tie up their oceans, uh, to their seas, and raise awareness among stakeholders at the same time. So the Ministry of Fisheries uh, announced earlier this month they're going to be putting up one billion rupiah, which is about seventy thousand US dollars, uh, to pay fishermen for any plastic trash they recover from the oceans. So many go- uh, many countries around the world are actually seeing themselves sort of environmental or climate goals. Um, 
And one, but Indonesia is actually one of the largest contributors of ocean-going plastic waste. Mm. So they're like one of the biggest culprits. So good on them for taking ownership of that and deciding to do something about it. So they're looking to shake off that reputation. Um, so over the next three years, we'll be pumping this money into this endeavor, and they are hoping to reduce their plastic entering the oceans from their shores by 70%. Wow, that's, that's a big goal. Yeah, that's a great margin. So um, the average Indonesian fisherman... Working off the main island can collect about four kilos of of garbage per day, and the government will pay out about ten US dollars for it. Okay. Which get this, this is a real good part, is slightly more than they would get if they were um, going to market to sell a catch of the day for fish. Okay. Yeah. So it's literally more lucrative for them. To go fishing for plastic, wow. <laughs> to well, go know, fishing for fish. When I hear about those, some of those things, you know, like there's, we've got the reuse, recycle one here. Yeah. Where you can take the bottles and cash them in. Uh huh. Um, you know, it seems to me like small amounts of money. I'm not sure how much you get. I haven't actually done that thing yet, but uh, you know, get like yeah. I don't know, ten cents a bottle or something yep. like this. Um, but these guys, wow, it sounds like it's actually quite. You know, a, a Lucrative. sustainable thing. Yeah, it's, it's basically, it could be a career move. You could literally become a plastic fisher. Wow. Which has created a new job. I'm looking forward to hearing the updates of this story. Yeah, same. I mean, three years is not that far away. We could, yeah, I'd hope to get an update on this. Um, so the, the, the fisheries minister, Saki Wahu Trengunano, said that. Well done. <laughs> thank you. He said the activity is very simple. Uh, but at least this will raise awareness among the stakeholders at sea and the people around the world. The most important thing is prevention. If we can properly conduct prevention, then there shouldn't be any waste in the sea because once the trash gets to the sea, then it's already damaged the sea, which is a really, really good point, to be honest. Like, they are doing a more, um, you know, cure uh, angle than a prevention angle. Mm. But do you know what? Hit it from both sides. Should we uh, fix that up? No problem. Um, so Indonesia is located one of the fastest developing regions on the planet, economically speaking. And so the plastic waste, I was surprised that Indonesia was such a huge contributor to plastic, but this is, this is why, because they're such a fast developing region. Um, yeah, so this is really, really awesome news. The other good thing about it is Indonesia is actually surrounded by some of the most biodiverse shallow seas on earth. So it's basically like a mecca for divers and snorkelers. Um, you know, and they, they have been complaining about all the plastic that they have to wade through to get into the ocean to go for their snorkels and their dives. So this is going to, um, also positively affect their tourism. Wow. Yeah. How great. Also, Another good news coming out of England, uh, an Englishman who was having a bit of mental turmoil uh, about 10 years ago, uh, just having a really, really rough day. He was going through a separation and a long custody battle, just thought, you know, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to go for a walk. So he goes for a walk and he realizes that afterwards he felt much more calm, a little bit happier from all the Dawson's relieved, uh, released. And he decided to go for another walk the next day and he recorded himself uh, doing a little video just walking and talking, just live through, through Facebook and was sort of speaking to his mates, like mm. his, his male friends, and uh, and then kept it up and then every day would go for a walk and just, you know, talk um, – you know, just uh, to, through Facebook. Doing a live stream while he walked. While he walked, just talking about walking, talking about mental health issues and stuff. And over the 10 years, like the next week, two of his mates decided to come and join him. Hmm. And then the next week, four of his mates decided to come and join him. And now 10 years later, they've got the Proper Blokes Club, which is a walking club that organizes walks in which men can get together 
and just support each other while doing something really great for your mental health, which is just going for a walk. Oh, getting together with blokes. Yeah. Going for a walk. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah, because most men don't want to do like little coffee chats like chicks do. Well, that's right. It's it's a different vibe, isn't it? But getting out, having a walk, um, you know, keeping your health up and your mental health as well, so important. Fantastic. Yeah. So and they have walkers from like nineteen to seventy nine. So yeah, sometimes they go for a two hour stroll. Good on them. We should get this started around here. Absolutely. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And uh, we want to give a quick promo out for the Prophecies of Hope series that's coming up. Uh, you may have heard it. We've been sharing ads here on Faith FM. Uh, Danny Melenkov is the presenter and will be sharing some a message of hope for the troubled times that we're living in. Certainly are some interesting and troubled times. Uh, and he's got a four-part series that is taking place over October and November uh, that will be absolutely worth checking out. You can register on www.discoverhope.info and find out more information about that fantastic series. That's oh, sounds good. Coming up, absolutely. I always enjoy the chance to... Learn more things from the Bible, get into yeah. seminars, so that'll especially, be worth checking especially out. Especially ones regarding hope. I might have to go to that. Absolutely. Always use more hope in your life. We do. We need hope mm. these days. Now, speaking of hope. I'm going to oh, cut in and do the quiz you on want, you. You want to jump in on the quiz? Okay. <laughs> Not going to let you get away with it. All right. I know you want your brain to have a break, but no, nah, I'm going to hit you with another quiz clue. Okay. All right. Question number two. Which book of the Bible comes immediately before Hebrews? Now, I think that's an easy one. <laughs> that might be that's like a, a giveaway. Two one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm literally just giving stuff away for free. Oh, no, I do that anyway. Okay, 0491-064-669. Which book of the Bible comes immediately before Hebrews? I'm going to say if you're a regular church-going Christian, you are not allowed to touch your Bible for this one. Yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't you dare cheat. You should know. Yeah, right. uh, for non-regular goers, go ahead and have a look. We won't, we won't hold against you. We won't even ask. <laughs> yeah, nice. All right, well, that one, that one will certainly help us. Uh, our view, our listeners finding, uh, getting their name in the draw for that fantastic prize. Now, I'm going to share uh, some news for today, um, and uh, we've, we've, I want to share a story that is quite an interesting one, um, a story that's come out of the U.S. Uh, just recently, and uh, many, uh, there's a quite a prominent pastor over in the U.S. by the name of John MacArthur. And uh, he, um, perhaps many will, have, some will have heard of him before. Uh, he's written, I'm not sure how many books, maybe a hundred or so, and um, quite quite one of those prominent guys over in the U.S. Well, uh, he's actually just recently there's been a um, he sent an open letter of rebuke to wow. one of the governors in the governor in California by the name of Gavin Newsom uh, for some billboards. Oh. that he has put up around California. Now, the billboards are advertising. Of course, there's been a lot of um, uh, interesting developments in the area of abortion law in, Australia, uh, in America over the last little while. And, uh, and the governor of California has been putting billboards out uh, with a question, and he's been targeting other states. So um, Texas and other states that don't have um, the same laws as California and he's put out this billboard saying, need an, abor- an, an abortion, question mark. California is really ready to help, oh. um, reaching out. But what's, where, where it gets interesting and where this letter of rebuke has come from 
is that he put a Bible verse oh, no. on the billboard. That's right. He put the Bible verse, Mark twelve thirty one: love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than this. So a big billboard that he's putting out there um, with, with a, a Bible verse on there to try to encourage people um, to get abortions. Now, Needless to say, this wasn't met with much enthusiasm from uh, Pastor John MacArthur, and he wrote quite a direct um, letter to the governor, an mm-hmm. open letter that he's published online. Uh, and he, in this letter, which uh, he appeals to the governor um, to, uh, you know, just basically come back to you know, repent, <laughs> to turn away from, um, you know, misusing Scripture in yeah. such a way to try to, uh, lead people to do something that scripture would uh, encourage uh, you know not you do. not to do <laughs> yeah uh, so it's been quite quite interesting to see uh, that one unfold and um yeah i, I never never quite I, I never quite thought i'd see a, a bible verse used on a billboard uh, by a governor we to are try definitely to definitely in the end times it's interesting <laughs> it's not just a sign it's a literal sign <laughs> yeah and and i just reading through his letter i won't take the time to read it on air this morning but um it was quite quite an appeal he really appeals to the governor to um that eternity is in stake for him and and uh, encourages him to turn back to to god essentially mm-hmm. so yeah quite a pastoral letter but it was quite interesting and uh on the other side uh, of uh, the same issue, uh, again coming out of the US, um, there was just recently, um, just in the last couple of days, uh, news has come out that the Satanic Temple uh, has taken aim at Idaho and Indiana uh, to over their abortion laws as well. So basically, there's a in um, there's a group that, uh, and this is not um, yeah, they've basically written in and they've they've said that the rights of their members. Uh, are being violated by the there's abortion bans in these states um, ever since Roe v. Wade. And they've written in and they've said that um, this is a violation of their the members of their religion uh, who would like to practice the temple's abortion ritual. So what? they're approaching this kind of as a, a bit of a, li- a religious liberty issue, saying that um, abortion bans are impeding their religious liberty. I'm sorry, did you say abortion ritual? Yeah, yes, that's right. That so is, basically killing babies is part of their religion. That's like, like the old school pagans in the Bible who like massacred their own babies. They're still doing that. Yeah. It, they, but they're doing it under the guise of, oh, it's abortion, so therefore it's health care. They, they, they went on record as saying our members hold a sincere religious belief that they can and should have an abortion, and it uh, is to do with the autonomy of their bodies. Um, of course, they've regist- they, they, rec- they, they ref- reference themselves as a non-theistic religious organization, which is how they've approached this as a religious liberty issue, um, saying that they've got religious beliefs as well and um, they should have their religious beliefs respected. That's such a disgusting loophole. Like, from the first second you said the satanic church, I was like, hang on, like, why are they getting involved? Like, if anyone is out there, like, questioning about, you you know, what they should believe about abortion. The fact that the satanic church is pushing one side should be a pretty clear indicator of what's happening here. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you know, they, they've, they've actually set their sights on a, a few of the states now, um, uh, not just Idaho, but Indiana as well. And um, yeah, uh, Idaho and Indiana, and they've been yeah, starting to move out and yeah, I guess target some of these states that have laws that... Um, yeah, have have been wow. 
I'm actually from- really blown away. I, I really didn't think I was going to hear anything new about abortion that I haven't already heard before. But my word, that's that's really disgraceful. I'm just thinking, like, because you know they want to kill babies and do that little human sacrifice thing, and they and they literally can still do it as long as they do it before the baby's born. Yeah. Well, this. Yeah. This is. It's. It's. I mean, abortion is That's a tricky harrowing. enough issue already, you know. It's, it's, but, but, um, but now it gets quite interesting when you start having these sorts of arguments. Religious liberty, complex religious liberty arguments um, you, being used on both sides, which is yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, and now uh, one, one other news story I'll share. Um, this one from Australia. Um, and uh, just recently, that we've of course had the census in Australia last year, and, and the data has come out from that. Uh, that's been quite interesting um, for statisticians to look at. And one of the things that's come out is that there's been a quite a significant increase in the number of Australians self-identifying as um, Indigenous. Oh, okay. And uh, one of the interesting implications of that is just this week, the Sydney University has come out and um, uh, decided to change their uh, policy by which people can identify themselves as Indigenous because along with identifying themselves as Indigenous at the university come financial benefits. Oh. And so it's been quite an interesting development where they've seen uh, a lot of uh, quite an increase in applications for these uh, financial benefits, but no real checks and balances other than just self-identifying. Oh, really? Yeah, you just had to I sign I thought a, you had to, like, pull out your paperwork and stuff. Well, you do. You do a stat declaration, which anyone can do to, to say yeah. you're uh, Indigenous. Now, what they've done now is they're introducing a policy whereby you have to get an endorsement from a community elder or something of this nature okay. to verify your... Mm-hmm. Um, Heritage. Yeah. So, of course, yeah, this is something that is being driven by uh, local Indigenous folk as well who feel like they're being uh, having opportunities perhaps taken away from financial scholarships and things of the like. Um, so, yeah, quite I an interesting... I think it's good that they're tightening up on that so fakers aren't getting through, but I also think that might cause a bit of a problem with like people having to prove who they are when they might not even know the elders in their community. It's going to be tricky yeah it raises a lot of questions about identification and and uh, you know self-identifying and and how to do that so interesting story i also just wanted to add before we go to the next song that if you are um dealing with abortion or you know have some issues there we do have the number for lifeline we want to support uh, anyone going through that that trauma so 13 11 14 is the number to call you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different now, we do have some more quiz questions, so yes. hit us with another one, Mon. you gotta be, you got to be in it to win it, and what you're winning is a God Cares two-volume set, the Daniel and the Revelation book by C. Mervyn Maxwell. Uh, really interesting read, uh, especially just from our last segment there, we are looking at you know some end-time events, and this is uh, going to be talking more about end-time events. If that was interesting to you, then definitely get in on this quiz because the prize will really rock your world. So this is our third one for this morning. How long did Israel mourn for Aaron after his death? Mm. Mm. Aaron was the brother of Moses. Correct, Amanda. He passed away. How long was everyone sad about that for? Give us a text or a phone call, 0491 How long did Israel mourn for Aaron after his death? 
Yeah, well, hope, um, make sure you get in on this. That prize, again, is the God Cares set, fantastic set that you do not want to miss out on. Was there, like, a set period of morning time in, in like, Bible time? Is that how it worked? Like, we don't really have, like, a set morning period nowadays, do no, we? No, we don't. No, everyone's just, like, be a set as long as you want to be, but we don't have, like, a set morning period. Yeah, well, I mean, and they also, you know, employed mourners to come along. Right, yeah. and you can still do that in some countries. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't say I've seen it in action, but... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine but have that as a job. You'd have to be well hydrated for all the tears. Yeah. Anyway, give now us we a call do and have, the answer. We do have an interview today, and our interviewer is on the line. Interviewee, I should say, Dr. Scott Devlin from Creation Ministries International. Thanks for joining us on Faith FM, the breakfast show this morning, Scott. Thanks, Blair. Good to be on. Hi, Monica, as well. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. Good, good. We're so glad to have you with us. Now, um, you've been on the show before, and we love the work that you do with creation, uh, such a beautiful truth of the Bible, and to have uh, scientific evidence and look into some of these things, fantastic. Um, just for perhaps some of our listeners who haven't heard of you before, um, what do you do as a part of your job working with Creation Ministries International? Yep, so uh, we... Um, Mainly what our organization deals with is the creation-evolution debate. And we're, I guess the aim of our organization is to take down the barriers that um, the barriers to the gospel. So in the Bible it talks about that we should bring down strongholds and uh, I think it's in Ephesians, bring down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God. And uh, so a lot of, even the culture wars that we see today, um, a lot of it's um, born out of not taking a biblical worldview. And a lot of the theology that we stand on comes from Genesis chapters 1 to 3, when we think about um, man made in the image of God, and therefore life is important. We think about life in the womb, that's one thing. And then a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. Again, it's in Genesis uh, 1 to 3. And of course, Genesis 1 to 3 or Genesis 1 to 11 is, is largely dismissed by the world in the last 200 years because of the ideas of evolution that everything got here by um, a materialistic way, by chance, as opposed to um, everything was supernaturally created by God, as, as it talks about in Genesis. So, we, so the reason we talk about creation evolution a lot is because um, we want to take down the barriers to the gospel. The gospel can clearly be preached. So I guess we are a we're a church or we're a Christian organization, and we're supporting the church in proclaiming the gospel. Hmm. So we, we, and we do that through talking in churches, schools. So I just went and talked in a school yesterday. Although we mainly talking in churches. And whoever whoever will invite us. Sometimes we get into universities, but not that often. Yeah, it's hard to hard to break into the universities these days, isn't yep. it? With um, yep. quite a, a secular, godless agenda in much of those uh, those places. Where Which there's... is a shame because universities really need it. Oh, absolutely. That's where, that's where often like youth lose their faith, and it's often because of evolutionary teachings. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, this is where yeah. a lot of young people are grappling with big philosophical ideas and, you know, making decisions about their worldview and the future uh, and, and absolutely uh, applaud the work that you and your organization do in advancing the gospel. You put, I thought that was so, so wonderful how you put that, bringing down barriers uh, that stop people because, you know, evolution, the theory has really turned, uh, has been responsible for turning more mind, millions of minds away yeah. from God as a creator, as, as Scripture calls us to and, and speaks to. And, and as you point out, those uh, passages in Genesis are so foundational 
to, um, of course, the Bible as a whole. But what is all this about launching a missile into an asteroid? Like, that's what I want to know. I didn't know this was happening. Lyle sent me an article. I had a little panic attack. I was like, was the Earth about to be smashed to smithereens? It sounds like a blockbuster movie story. What's going on? Yes, I, I thought it was fascinating when I saw it as well. And, and yeah, and hopefully we'll get time to relate that to this creation evolution story. And, and there is a clear relation. But, oh, yeah, when I saw it, I thought the same. Gosh, this is incredible. You know, it reminded me of, I remember watching the movies, the movie Armageddon. Exactly. Um, and I, it, was, it was as far back as in 1998. I thought it shouldn't, couldn't have been that long ago. It's quite fresh in my memory. It's a very... Um, you know, very visceral picture of us having to travel to an asteroid and plant a nuclear bomb inside of it to divert it from hitting the Earth. And and luckily, it looks like we won't have to do that if ever that is the case. And um, I should make it clear that w- this asteroid was not headed to Earth. So it wasn't in any time, we weren't in any time in any danger from this particular asteroid. But um the idea is so so it's called the DART mission, which is the double asteroid redirection test, and it's been in planning for a while. And so NASA has sent a spacecraft uh, to a particular asteroid. It was a very small asteroid, um, probably about the same size as the Great Pyramid in Giza, so the Egyptian pyramid there. So, I mean, relatively small as far as asteroids go. And and we sent a, well, NASA sent a small spacecraft about the size of a fridge into um, that asteroid about the size of the Great Pyramid. So the idea was, although that was small because it traveled very fast, it would um, cause a momentum change in the asteroid and therefore perturb its orbit. So this small asteroid was actually a little asteroid moon that was orbiting around another asteroid. And if we could see that the orbit was perturbed enough, so if the orbit changed enough, then what they could say is we can do this. If an asteroid is headed for Earth, we know how to change its momentum. So we would avoid that big cataclysm. I'm now literally imagining a fridge flying into a pyramid. Thank you. But yeah, so. <laughs> so, so, those size comparisons were so helpful. You know, the pyramid, the fridge, it's all coming together for me. So this was literally a, a practice, like a test run on the off chance that those, those Hollywood movies actually ever came true. Is that like literally what happened? Exactly, And yes. it was a success. Yeah, so we only just found out yesterday. Um, so it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, I haven't got the date in front of me, but it was a couple of weeks ago that the uh, the spacecraft hit the asteroid. And it was quite exciting because NASA beamed it live and you could see the um, camera view of the asteroid as it was getting closer and closer. And then finally the signal just went, of course, uh, because it was smashed to smithereens. Um, and so... We knew that it hit, but we didn't know how successful it was. And they've found that they've managed to shave about 30 minutes off the orbit. So what, what happens is it's a bit like our moon and our um, our moon. So we have a moon that orbits the Earth. And um, this particular asteroid, uh, so there's Didymus and Dimorphus. So Didymus is like the Earth and Dimorphus is like the moon. And so it travels around Didymus. And it takes uh, 11 hours, 11 hours and 55 minutes, or it used to take 11 hours and 55 minutes to orbit Didymus. But now that the um, spacecraft has hit the, ast- the asteroid, i.e. the little moon, if the, ast- the asteroid, i.e. the little moon, it now takes 11 hours and about 11 hours and 30 minutes. Um, so so a, a decent chunk has been shaved off the orbit. So we know that that's a success. We know that there's uh, been 
to momentum transfer. Wow. So when you say shaving off the time, would that correlate because you've shaved off the size of the thing? Yeah, good question. So what happens is um, you take away some of the kinetic energy of the orbit. So it's it's smashed in the direct opposition, the direct opposite way to the orbit. So mm-hmm. if it's orbiting one way, the spacecraft has hit it in the other direction. And because that takes away some of the kinetic energy, it ends up uh, migrating inwards in, in the orbit and therefore it orbits faster, uh, which means the orbit period is shorter. Um, which is a little bit different to what's happening to our moon at the moment. Our moon is moving very slowly away. Um, but if you were to hit our moon very hard uh, in the opposite direction, the same thing would happen. Uh, it would come towards the direction. The same thing would happen. Uh, it would come towards Earth a bit because it's lost oh, momentum. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I think I understand this because of cricket. Oh. <laughs> 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 the bowling and stuff. Oh, wow. But I just want to know, like, I have one question. Is this going to be one of those things where humans have thought that they've created a solution and they actually maybe have opened a Pandora's box to some big issues? Like, did we just honestly shoot an asteroid and then think we're going to get away with it? Like, are we not going to, is there not, are we honestly not expecting to be some sort of repercussions? Like nothing? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good question. I'm nervous. Um, dude, I'm nervous. I, look, I, I think it's, it's far enough to away, away to say that uh, the answer is no to that. Um, because it's so seven million miles away, okay. and and there's we and we have twenty. I mean, at the moment we've located twenty seven thousand what we call near Earth objects, and so they're not in the asteroid belt. So you have the asteroid belt that's that, um, that's beyond Mars, and so that's a long, long way away. But then there's a number of asteroids that have circled, and we can say, oh, they're near near the Earth, um, but they're, they're still. Uh, they're still, on the most part, um, hundreds of thousands of miles, if not millions of miles away. So, of course, we're tracking a lot of them to see if any of them come quite close to Earth. And because we can uh, predict the futures quite accurately, because you can map it uh, forward in time, we can say, well, in the, they're saying in the next hundred years, um, none of these asteroids that they're mapped should hit Earth. But they they also have not mapped all of them. Yeah, well, this was my question. You know, all of this experimentation is done for the purpose, obviously, of preventing an asteroid hitting Earth. Uh, if that was to be the case, it was coming our direction, we could try to divert it off. Um, is that a likely thing? Like, do, do we have asteroids hitting the Earth frequently of large sizes that can uh, do significant damage? Is this something, obviously, the ex- experiments are being conducted because there's an issue there, um, but how often does this happen? Yeah, well, it actually happens very frequently, but just with a much smaller size. <laughs> so in terms of small small size, we have, you could just say, well, there's space dust that hits the Earth every day. There's actually um, probably in the order of 50 tons of space dust that hits the Earth every day. Um, so we're accumulating mass from space dust. We're also losing mass from escaped gas from the Earth, but um, we're accumulating mass from space dust, but it's very small. So what... Um, so the number of asteroids uh, or the number of space dust, you can go right from a small piece of space dust to, you know, tens or thousands of kilometers wide asteroid. But if you think about the number of asteroids that a thousand kilometers wide, that's a very small, probably in the single digits. But then if you think about the number of asteroids that are a meter wide, well, possibly there's, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not a million of them. So the number it scales with the size of the asteroid. So 
the likelihood of us being hit by a bigger asteroid is much smaller, but the likelihood of being hit by a small one is much greater. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Do you, do you honestly think that the, uh, uh, the, the push to do this kind of, you know, experimenting was maybe driven by the population being um, – inspired away by Hollywood films because we just had that huge film that came out with all the different movie stars, um, Don't Look Up, and the, the storyline was basically there was an asteroid coming and it was it was supposed to be like a commentary on um, uh, environmental issues and, and in the end of the movie, the asteroid hits Earth and everybody dies. So do you think like, yeah. it's pressure from like people being scared that they actually do this kind of stuff? Mm, yeah, good question. I, I, I'm sure there is some input to that. I, I know an analogy to that would be, um, again, another movie when I was a teenager, Jurassic Park, um, the original Jurassic Park. That was that really inspired a lot of people to become paleontologists. And now, of course, they're all middle age and mid career, and so that's why you have this proliferation of dinosaur names now. Like, there's so many new dinosaurs in the last ten, twenty years because all of these people are, you know, they've graduated from paleontology. They got inspired by Jurassic Park, and we've got this uh, big influx of researchers there. So I know movies inspire the scientific world, and that's true. But um, is, yeah, so I, I guess a question could be, is this is this really realistic, or is this just, you know, what, why are we... So they did spend a lot of money on it, over $300 million. So it must it must be a, um issue that needs to be thought about. And, and again, as I was saying, we do have a number of asteroids, and some of them much bigger than the space dust, um, uh, quite near our Earth, and it was, it was. I think it was 2013. There was Chelyabinsk in Russia. There was a city in Russia. So what, what happens is because only 98 percent, well, 98 percent of the Earth is not covered by people. We only cover a very small percentage of the Earth. So actually, when we see these kind of meter or 20 meter or 10 meter size asteroids hitting, and so a 10 meter size asteroid probably only hits once every 10 years. And so we don't see it most of the time because it's in the sea or it's in the desert. Um, but uh, yeah, in the city Chelyabinsk in Russia, um, and so that, that was fairly recent, 2013, they had a 20-meter asteroid that exploded over the city. Um, luckily, no one was killed, but 1,500 people were injured, um, a lot of them from the air blast, and it shattered windows all over the city. And so that very rarely happens in a populated area. Um, so, so this thing, like it, it does happen, and it's, it's the bigger ones that will cause uh, the bigger devastation. But, but there is an interesting um, interpretation whether you're looking at it from an evolutionary view or a creationist view. Because if you're looking from an evolutionary view, well, you'd say you'd look at the craters on the Earth. So when do the really big ones hit, right? That's the ones we're interested in. When do the, you know, couple of hundred meters or the one kilometer size hits? And so uh, probably the famous one we hear, we hear about the dinosaur killer one. Um, and there's a big there's a big crater that they say, okay, that's the one that's supposed to have killed the dinosaurs. Um, but so from a creation point of view or a biblical based point of view, you would say, well, these craters happened in a quick amount of time. So what, what, by crater, I mean just a big indent in the earth. So if you get a big asteroid, you throw it to the earth, there's a big indent left in the earth. So we can see that we have had big hits in the past. So when do you put that in, in your history? And so you can put that uh, sparsely spaced through a long history 
or you could put that in a very short amount of history. And a kind of a good biblical working model would be a lot of those asteroids hit during the flood, during Noah's flood when the Earth was covered with water. And this actually works really well because some of the sizes of those craters show that they were very big asteroids. And really, all life should be wiped out on Earth, not just the dinosaurs. Um, and so if all life is wiped out on Earth, well, we shouldn't be here now. But if you have that big asteroid hitting um, the sea, hitting a large amount of water, hitting a, a ocean-covered world, then the impact is still very large, but it's by about an order of magnitude less in terms of its killing potential. So it explains why we still exist today. So um, there's a different perspective on on the danger. So coming back to our present danger, should we be worried about the future? Well, we we can see... um, in the word that in God's word in the Bible after the flood that God said uh, that he won't destroy the earth again, that um, he won't destroy it by a flood again. He won't destroy a seed time and harvest will remain. And we know that's going to happen until Jesus returns. So we can be sure that we're not going to have, um, we're at least not going to have one that wipes out the whole entire earth. Um, I guess there's no guarantee of, of a smaller one, not, not having a big impact. Thank you so much for joining us. I wish we could talk all day, but we're going to move on. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.